0: Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of What Are You Talking About, presented by Fenley Road Sports. My name is Bob. I'm hang- I'm here hanging out with my older brother, Chris, talking about sports. Just a couple public service announcements before we get started. We've launched an Instagram account, so go find us on Instagram at Fenley Road Sports. That's all one word. Uh, follow us, like some of the pictures. I'm going to start creating some memes, funny memes about sports, so go check that out. And then after this podcast goes live, we're going to post another one, a monthly special that we're going to roll out. We're both Cleveland kids, born and raised there. Uh, We love Cleveland sports so much that we really want to talk about it in a podcast form, but we don't want to alienate a lot of the listeners that we probably have here. So every month we're going to roll out CLE Talk, which is just going to be another podcast that we're going to do. It's all going to be about Cleveland sports. Um... This is a interesting week for Cleveland sports uh, with the draft coming up and with the Cavs in the playoffs. So definitely have a lot to talk about. Head over there on iTunes after you listen to this episode and check that out if you're interested. But today we're talking about what is pretty much the highlight of the Cleveland Browns season, and that's the NFL draft. It's one week, less than a week away. Uh, I've read through, I don't know, man, 100 mock drafts since really since january uh looking at some of these players um i really like it just because as two people as two talking heads getting together talking about sports the nfl draft gives you infinite possibilities to project and and throw your ideas out and there's not really a whole lot of room for accountability because absolutely nobody has any idea what is going to happen on thursday But I love to talk about it, and it's really fun. So, Chris, I'm just going to ask you the first question. Tampa Bay Buccaneers have the first overall pick. Who are they going to take?
1: Jameis Winston. Definitely. Yeah, I think Winston is the most pro-ready quarterback in this draft. Now, I don't know how he will do in the pros the year before i was more sure about him than i was last year the alarming thing to me was his interception rate rose at a pretty quick pace between his uh, first and second year i think that's something that's uh, pretty concerning not to mention the off-field incidents that are very well documented there's the situation with the crab legs and of course the alleged uh you know assault on a, a female classmate she's now filed a civil suit against him so you know that that still has some some stuff to play out we we won't get into those things mainly because you know we we're not you know felt well versed in the whole legal side of things but there there's definitely big red flags as far as especially in this day and age of all the domestic violence issues that happened last year The Josh Gordon incident with marijuana, the character of a player is becoming more and more important in the NFL, especially uh, after what happened in 2014. So there's certainly a lot of risk that comes with Winston, but if we're focusing in on his football skills, I think he is the most pro-ready of the quarterbacks in this draft. I don't think this is a very good quarterback draft, though. I don't think there are a lot of quarterbacks in this draft that I say are definitely going to be franchise guys. But if any one of them, I think Winston has the best shot to do it. I think being from Florida State, playing for Florida State, winning a national championship there, all the success in the state of Florida, Tampa Bay, obviously located in Florida, I I just think it's kind of a no-brainer for them. They desperately need a quarterback. Winston is the best quarterback in this draft. I think that's surefire number one pick right there.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree with you. He's got everything you want in the number one overall quarterback, size, speed. He's got a good arm on him. Uh, It's going to be interesting, man, because now you have a marriage of the two most controversial figures in sports, really, from the last year and a half, and that's the NFL and Jameis Winston. And now we're going to see how they get along together. I mean, the NFL had tons of issues, and Winston has had – tons of issues that he's never really gotten punished for. Now he's entering a situation where, you know, you can get you you don't have to do much to to get suspended and start getting yourself on a track where you're out of the league. So it's really interesting. And the Bucks are in a serious catch twenty two if they have any doubts about this kid because if he has a clean rap for the rest of his career, I don't think there's any doubt that he's gonna be a starting quarterback in a pretty successful one but you know nothing about his college career showed that he had matured or elevated his his off-field issues to the point where you could invest the first overall pick in him it's it's a really interesting situation but i agree with you they i mean they can't they can't pass up on him they need a quarterback mike glennon's their best option on the team and he's a good backup and that's it i mean you need a quarterback in the league and You know, if James Winston wasn't a quarterback, he probably wouldn't even be playing college football at this point. And that's the same reason why he's the number one overall pick. If he weren't a quarterback with that talent set, but with the off-field issues, he would probably be a second or third round pick.
1: No, certainly. I mean, the the off-field issues can't be understated. In 2009, the NFL had a kind of a crisis with uh, Pac-Man Jones and Chris Henry and Roger Goodell, that was kind of his first. He laid the hammer down on them and won over the fans and didn't win over the players, though. They they don't like his uh, sort of judge, jury, and executioner style. But now, in 2014, these issues have elevated again, and, and they're a lot more severe than the ones in uh, 2009. I mean, they're domestic violence issues. You have Adrian Peterson yeah. with his kid. You have Ray Rice and uh, Greg Hardy, obviously, with their wives and and, and whatnot, and it's obviously, you know, a very, very serious issue. We don't want to make light of Jameis Winston's off the field issues. We certainly aren't trying to minimize them. There, it's a big red flag, and if he doesn't have, as you said, a clean rap sheet in the NFL, he could find himself out the door very quickly. Especially with all of that happened in 2014 as a backdrop. But what's concerning to me when we're talking about football is what I mentioned before. I think he regressed in his year two. Now, Florida State did lose some talent. So that may have had something to do with it. But he did throw a lot more interceptions in year two than he did year one. Yep. And to me, that's a big, that's a bad sign. After year one, I was convinced that he was going to be an NFL franchise quarterback. Now I have doubts. I do have significant doubts about his football ability. And so I want to see how he translates to the NFL from sort of a reading the defense, breaking it down, can he react fast enough, can he do the mental things that a quarterback's asked to do? He has all the tools to succeed, I think he's a pro-ready quarterback, but will his off-the-field issues get in the way, and will he be able to adjust to the NFL game? Those are two very big questions around him, and I don't think he's a slam-dunk franchise pick, but I think you have to pick him number one because he is the most pro-ready, and he's the I think he's easily the best quarterback in this draft right now talking about Marcus Mariota who is the guy also in the running to be picked number 1 people are saying that he could be a franchise quarterback i think he has a lot more work to do on the football field i think he has to adjust to more of a pro style offense however i also think that off the field his rap is squeaky clean and he's sort of the yeah. poster boy child that if, if this guy if this is the guy you want to make it in the nfl you kind of have two conf- conflicting Quarterbacks here, and it's kind of uh, intriguing because Mariota, if he makes it in the NFL, the NFL is gonna really hype him up because he's the kind of guy you want to make it in the NFL. He's he's everyone says he's just an angel, pretty much. He's a great guy. At least that's what's being read. I've certainly never met him before, but. (laughs) Again, I think he has the speed. I think he can be a scrambler. I certainly think he has the athleticism to make it, but can he play the quarterback position? And I think that Robert Griffin III showed that you know running around may work for a while, but those hits add up, and sooner or later you're going to get drilled. Colin Kaepernick stopped doing it, and you see that he's struggling to adjust to be a pocket passer. Russell Wilson, however, has picked and choose his spots to run very well. He's an accurate passer first, but he uses his speed to keep the defense off balance. I think that's what Mariota is going to have to do in the NFL, and he is going to have more work to do to translate to the NFL level. I don't think he's pro-ready. I think he can improve because everything about him says he's a high-character guy and he can work hard. I certainly think he's going to get taken in the top 10 because he's the clear-cut number two quarterback in this draft, and he has a ton of upside but he definitely has more, from a football standpoint, I'm, we're talking about playing here. We're not obviously not talking about the character issues. From a football standpoint, he definitely has some more question marks than Jameis Winston.
0: I, I definitely agree. He definitely has the size and the speed to succeed in the NFL. I think he's a work in progress, and that's a dangerous pick to make in the top five. I mean, there's a reason you're in the top five. It's because your team was really bad. And now you've put all the weight on a kid that needs probably three years to grow and to develop as a quarterback. That's a lot of pressure and a lot of, and not a lot of patience with a player like that. Mariota is certainly a guy that's capable of handling pressure and criticism. I mean, he's just been so reserved and shy and quiet that I don't think anything really will bother him. But yeah, it's, it's going to be a hard battle for him. I think in the first couple years of his career, And getting picked in the top five isn't really going to help. I think the comparison I I would make with Mariota is Ryan Tannehill, who did not look very good coming out of college. Probably had a stronger arm. I think he's a little bit bigger as well, but he was definitely a work in progress. He was taken in the top 10, and people didn't think he should start this year. They wanted Miami to move on, and now he's looking like a franchise quarterback in year three. So, you know it takes patience with a guy like Mariota, and that's why that's what i'm most concerned about because i think that the tennessee titans are aren't aren't going to mess around they're going to pick Mariota at number two and there's not i mean there's so many trade speculations and we can dive into those if you want to but i think there's no way the titans pass up on a quarterback at two whoever the bucks don't take the titans are going to take
1: yeah, we'll we'll get into this because I think the Tennessee Titans are one of the most intriguing teams in this draft. I think don't think they want to pick number two. I think they want to trade down. But I don't see teams that want to trade up for these guys. First off, yep. I mean we kinda have to talk about the Cleveland Browns, even though we have the bonus thing coming up. They do have two first round picks and they have ten total picks in the draft. So if a team's gonna trade up, they are our very quarterback star, if Josh McCown is their starter, they would have the currency to do it. But the jump from twelve to two I mean, you saw the price Washington had to pay to go up from six to two to get Griffin. I don't think those two first rounders are going to be enough. So I don't know if that's going to happen. Obviously, you wrote a blog about Philadelphia. Chris, or uh, not Chris, Chip Kelly has been doing just crazy things. He's got quarterbacks before. Yeah. Maybe he packages some picks and one of those quarterbacks to move all the way up to two. But the jump from uh, there at 20, 20 to two. That's going to take a lot more than just one of those quarterbacks in the 20th overall pick. He's going to have to mortgage a lot of his future. I don't know how much he likes Mariota to do that. The other team I could see moving up for him is maybe the New York Jets because they certainly want him. But why would they move up when the three teams between them and the Titans, the Jaguars, Raiders, and Washington, both all have quarterbacks, Jacksonville and Oakland young guys, and Washington still Robert Griffin III, third. So obviously, if, if they're not confident somebody behind them is going to move up, I don't think that they would call. They'd call Tennessee's bluff and just say no. I mean, if you don't want them, don't pick them. So yeah. I think the Titans are in a tricky spot. I actually don't think they're going to take Mariota. I think that they are going to take Leonard Williams of USC.
0: That's interesting. I, I mean, that, that's very interesting. So you think Mariota is going to fall into the Jets' lap, or you think a team's going to trade? at some point between six and two to get Mariota.
1: I think that Tennessee is either going to trade the pick to someone who wants Mariota, if they can pull off a deal or they're going to take the guy that they want. I don't think Ken Wisenhunt wants Marcus Mariota. I think he wants more of a, he coached Philip rivers in San Diego. I think he wants more of a prototypical, prototypical passer. I think he wants something along those lines Instead of Marcus Mariota, I think he's going to take the guy he wants if he can't swing a deal.
0: I see. I think that the the Titans are not in a a seller's market at this point. Like everybody wants Mariota, but I, I think it's a lot of a lot of hot, hot steam and bluffs. And I don't think that there's really a real suitor other than the Cleveland Browns, who have the actual assets to get. To that second pick, I mean Philadelphia. I wrote this in the blog, but who would would trade a a high pick for one of those quarterbacks? They're all mediocre at best. When you could use that same asset to get a guy like Marcus Mariota in the draft, who's probably who has more upside than any of those four guys. So I don't think Philly is is in contention for Mariota at all, at all, unless they're gonna do a a. Coach Ditka and trade their entire draft for him like it would take that kind because they just don't have the assets for it I I don't see who is gonna actually step up and make that trade unless we're talking San Diego Philip Rivers and a first-round pick. What do you think about that?
1: Now that would be enough because Philip Rivers is a bona fide franchise quarterback if you're trading him and a first-rounder. That is more than fair, and the Chargers would be foolish to do it. You have a proven commodity at the position yep. of need. Why would you move all the way up just to trade a guy who's unknown? It, you, you set your franchise back five years because you got to wait on a guy to develop. I don't care. I, even if even if Mariota comes in and lights up the league, you still set your franchise back five years because a rookie quarterback is not going to do what Philip Rivers is going to do this year. I'm sorry. So I don't think that that would be a smart move unless the Chargers are convinced Philip Rivers is gonna walk in free agency. If that's the case, then maybe a safe face. I don't I can't possibly answer that question. But if they're just doing it to get Mariota, I, I would advise against it. I think the only way they make that deal is if they they're confident that Philip Rivers isn't coming back. Yeah,
0: it'll be interesting. They're in a, a tight spot, but I think that the Titans need a quarterback and Mariota is as good as anybody that's come out that's available at the number two quarterback spot, so It'd be, it'd be kind of foolish of them not to pull the trigger. I mean, you're going into to the off season with, with Mettenberger as your starter, and I don't think that's a good spot to be in.
1: No, probably not. But, hey, hey, we got our first disagreement on this podcast. I, I don't think that they're going to take Mariota. I think they're either going to trade the pick and someone else will, or they'll draft the guy they want and let him fall. But I just don't think Ken Wisenhut uh, is confident in him. Okay. But bye so we kind of teased our defensive player, one of the defensive players, who is a definitely a blue-chip prospect, but we'll move over to the defensive side of the ball a little bit. The other sort of point of controversy, a very deep draft for wide receivers, and which wide receiver is the best. And we got to start with Amari Cooper of Alabama. You being down in SEC land, what do you like about him?
0: Well, what I like about him is there's no question marks about what you're getting. Alabama runs a pro-style offense. He's been a contributor since he's been a freshman. Uh, Last year, 124 receptions, 1,700 yards. He has great hands. I thought he showed great speed. Of all the prospects, he's the most undersized, but he's still six foot exactly and has good weight on him. So I, I think if you take Amari Cooper, which I think a lot of teams should in the top five, um, if you take him, you know what you're getting and the ceiling might not be as high as say Devonte Parker or Kevin White, but you know what you're getting. I think the floor is a lot higher than those other two guys. So it'd be a little foolish not to, to take one of those two guys over Cooper. I don't think he gets past number four at the Oakland Raiders. Who's your number one wide receiver?
1: Oh, he's my number one wide receiver. And I think the Oakland Raiders will take him. I think that they will be able to take him, and I think that he's going to be an Oakland Raider when this draft is all said and done. Uh, Yeah, certainly, I agree with you. His floor is higher than those other two guys. I think White and Parker are both have the potential to be very explosive. I think all three of them are going to make it in the NFL. I like them all a lot, but I think Cooper is the best of the bunch. I think he's the most surefire prospect, and I do think he will wind up on Oakland. And, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see Where some of these guys go in the first round because it's always, it's all you always try to project what teams need. I mean, Chicago just traded Brandon Marshall, so that could be a spot for one of those other two guys. The New York Giants have Odell Beckham, but if they get another guy to put next to him, that could be kind of a super team. Atlanta, Roddy White's getting old. St. Louis, St. Louis, you know, that's a sleeping giant. They just got Nick Foles, they have Tavon Austin. Uh, Cleveland, maybe. I mean, we'll talk about what we think the Cleveland Browns need later, but certainly wide receivers up there. And Minnesota, I mean, they're starved for a wide receiver ever since they traded Randy Moss, not, not bringing him back from that whole Tennessee thing. I mean, the first when they traded into Oakland. So, it, and, and you know, they had Percy Harvin for a bit, but he was always hurt and kind of had some other issues too. So Minnesota could be, yeah. it, it, I mean, there, there are a number of teams in the first round who could definitely take him. I don't think these guys, White and Parker, are going to fall outside of the top 12.
0: Yeah, neither do I. Uh, There's a really cool scenario where Devontae Parker gets to go play catch with Teddy Bridgewater in in Minnesota. I think the Vikings are, are going to look hard at that because they do have that connection. They play together. Yeah, like you said, there are a number of teams that could use a wide receiver I am starting to get a theory on wide receiver in this day and age, and I I think I alluded to it in a podcast way, way, way back. I'm not even sure if we published that one, but you take a look at the wide receiver class of last year and this year, and last year you had guys like Sammy Watkins, Mike Evans, Odell Beckham Jr., Kelvin Benjamin, all taken in the first round and doing really well. You also had a really deep class after that. And the same can be said for this class. You have the top three guys that everyone knows are going to go in the top 15 of the, of the first round, but then you have an underling of Doriel Green Beckham, who was the number one recruit out of high school three years ago, 6'6", six, six, runs like he's six foot zero, has tons of off-field issues, but man, how could you pass up on a guy like that who has all the talent in the world? You have Devin Smith, the deep threat target from Ohio State, who you can just throw bombs to. Brashad Perryman from UCF, who's just another monster wide receiver. Jalen Strong. I mean, you have six or seven guys that have been projected to go in the first round. Is wide receiver really a first-round position anymore?
1: I think it is because I think there's a difference between being a true stud number one wide receiver and being a really good wide receiver. Don't get me wrong, I understand what you're saying. I think the rules are making it easier for wide receivers to come into the league and have early success, but I also think that the drop-off between a guy like Calvin Johnson or a guy like A.J. Green and the number two receiver is still significant enough that if you can get that talent, and I think you have to get that talent in the first round by and large. I'm not saying there aren't exceptions, but... A true blue-chip number one wide receiver is still hard to find. You mentioned Green Beckham, 6'6", 237 pounds, obviously a ton of off-field issues. Could this be Josh Gordon 2.0, or could he be what Josh Gordon could have been in the NFL? But obviously, if Green Beckham lands in the right situation a team that has a strong coach and quarterback combination, a strong locker room with veteran presence. We're talking a place like New Orleans or Green Bay or New England or something like that. I'm not saying those teams will take him, but I think he needs to wind up on that type of team or maybe a, a team like Seattle. So I think certainly he has all the talent in the world, but I think he needs to wind up on the right team. Getting back to your question, though, I do think wide receivers need to be taken in the first round because I do think that there is a significant difference between a true blue chip number one wide receiver and those other guys who are still very strong, but clearly number two or slot guys.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because the, the narrative going into last year's draft was that rookie wide receivers in the first round uh, have fight a losing battle, and they're more often to fail than to succeed. And last year's class just blew that projection out of the water and and tons of them succeeded i think the same is going to be said for this class as well and i think you're just going to see a trend the next few years where tons of wide receivers are, are just blowing up the league as rookies i think you're going to see a shift in the value of a wide receiver and i agree with you you need that blue chip but i don't think you're going to see guys being taken in the top five anymore at wide receiver in say two or three years because studs are just going to keep coming into the draft it'll be interesting it's going to take a couple years but i definitely think a shift is going to change just like the the running back you know running back used to be a top five position that you could take and and now you i mean you're laughed at if you take one in the first round
1: yeah, I certainly think that it would take a few more years of drafts like last year to start that migration towards we don't need wide receivers are more of a commodity than a valuable thing. But that's a great analogy you brought up with running backs. And since you did, let's just dive into some of the running backs in this draft. Uh, you're right. Before you, everyone was taking running backs high, like Emmitt Smith, and you know all these great running backs. You had to have a running back. You had to draft them high. Well, now. The, the verdict's out you know most running backs don't get taken very high and the teams yeah. that do take them very high are laughed at and pawn them off for first round picks and then waste the first round pick yeah i'm obviously talking about the running back. but
0: <laughs> i see where you're going with that
1: but you know this year's the running backs there are two guys who might go in the first round in todd gurley who i know you're a big fan of and wisconsin's melvin gordon I think they both have all the talent in the world to succeed in the NFL, but obviously the story around Gurley is his injury.
0: Yeah, I mean, ACL tear halfway through the season, you have to be concerned about that. Um, But, you know, we're in the age of Adrian Peterson post-ACL surgery, so nobody really blinks an eye anymore when a dude blows his knee out. It's just a matter of when he's going to come back. And by all reports, his his knee is holding up fine, and he'll be ready for camps. Um, Yeah, I like... I like both of these guys. Uh, I like Gurley a little bit more because he's explosive. He can return kicks. Um, he was a yards-after-contact monster in the SEC. He, he, I mean, they both averaged around seven, seven-and-a-half yards per carry, um, but Gurley just broke tackles at the line of scrimmage and broke it off. I think Wisconsin – is getting a stereotype with their running backs that they're just a running back machine that doesn't churn out the most successful running backs in the NFL, uh, la maybe Alabama has that, has that stereotype as well. Um, yeah, I, I think they'll, they'll both fit in. It's just a matter of fit. You know, if one of these guys can fall to say Dallas who had the best offensive line last year and has an opening with, um, what is his name? Demarco Murray. DeMar- with Demarco Murray leaving, obviously there's a need at running back that they could take him and instantly replace that. Baltimore Ravens is another good one. Arizona Cardinals. Uh, but if he if he if they fall to a place that that needs a O line, I mean they're not going to do anything. I mean if 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 ta- you know I I see Todd Gurley going as f- far up as at 14 at the, the Miami Dolphins, and I don't think that's really. I mean, the Dolphins have other needs than than getting another running back. It it seems strange to me. So, yeah, I think both these guys can be successful, but I think the hype around both of them is going to hurt them in the long run, putting them in situations where they're not set up to succeed and, and being taken way too high for running back.
1: Yeah, you mentioned Wisconsin and Alabama. You wonder what they do churn out on a regular basis? Offensive linemen. And I think that if you want to boost your running game, you draft an offensive lineman. Not to keep bringing up the Browns, but last year they did that, and it certainly had a big impact on their running game. Dallas, you brought them up. They did that as well, and it certainly had a huge impact on their running game. Adrian Peterson in his MVP year, Matt Khalil, was taken in the top four. So... If you want to boost your running attack, you draft an offensive lineman and beef that up. And it's becoming clearer and clearer that you have a big offensive line, you run the ball a lot easier. That said, you still need an explosive guy to run the ball, and you targeted it. And I don't think, I think if both of these guys or one of these guys is on the board when Dallas is picking, I think they're going 27th. But you also targeted Arizona. That's an interesting one, too. I think that they do, would like to have a runner, and these guys would fit very well. However, one intriguing spot, I don't think they're going to do it, but it's the Minnesota Vikings. And we talked earlier about yep. Adrian Peterson's situation. And obviously, and, and if you follow this story, you know that Adrian Peterson and the Minnesota Vikings are not on the best of terms right now. If Minnesota takes a running back at 11, that is a clear sign that they are willing to move on from Adrian Peterson it would not surprise me well no it would surprise me because I don't think that they should move on from Adrian Peterson but if they swing a draft day trade maybe trade Peterson and get back in the first round or something maybe that with Dallas they send him and get the 27th pick and then take one of these guys with their 11th pick or something like that that's an interesting situation to keep an eye on. I don't think it's going to happen, but it's something that could happen given the relationship reportedly deteriorating between Peterson and the Vikings.
0: Yeah, I I mean I could I could see that happening. They would be foolish to take the running back before trading Peterson because once you take the running back, the value of Peterson, I mean, everyone knows he's he's out the door and you're going to get less in return. So um, either have a draft day trade already in place with the team, or or trade him beforehand. I don't. I if 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 they go into the draft with AP, I don't think they're going to take another running back.
1: Right. I think that with eleven, I, I kind of misspoke. You're right. If they take a running back at eleven, then that torpedoes his trade value. I think they'll take someone at eleven. It'd be interesting to see if they swing a trade if one of these guys are on the board at twenty seven. Maybe they swap Peterson for the twenty seventh pick and take another running back there or something like that. But I I don't think that that scenario is out of the realm of possibility given how the scenario in Minnesota has played out.
0: Are there any running backs late in the round that, that jump out to you? I know we're just mostly talking about the first round. but.
1: Well, yeah, actually I like a Duke Johnson out of Miami, Florida. I've seen Miami play a couple times, and when I did, he really jumped off the page at me he's uh, a guy i think that he he's got the raw skill set to make it in the nfl he could be a sleeper in that second third round area so keep an eye on duke johnson
0: yeah definitely i mean just because we have these two guys um being taken in the first round i still think that a guy taken in the fourth round is going to have just as good a year
1: but as i said earlier if you want to boost your running game you should draft an offensive lineman a pretty deep class of O linemen led by Brandon Sheriff of Iowa. I think he is probably going to get taken in the top five, maybe top six. I could see him maybe falling out of there. I think that he's a clear cut top five or top five pick.
0: Yeah, definitely. And his versatility lends to that. He can play guard and tackle. So, I mean, he's really just if you need help on the O line, that's the guy that you want to take. He can play multiple positions, you can plug him in wherever there's a need. You don't have to specifically draft it for left tackle um so yeah it's just kind of like depending on need you got eric flowers the ot from miami and Lael collins from lsu they're also getting top 10 buzz as as offensive linemen so yeah not not, not too surprising that offensive linemen are good that it's a deep class it seems to be always a deep o-line class the offensive linemen always getting taken in the first round so it's a very important and safe position to draft.
1: Oh, certainly. Another guy to watch is probably the first center who will be taken is Cameron Irving of Florida State. He'll probably be more of a late first rounder. Usually the uh, outside guys go before the interior linemen. But Irving, he's uh, the team to target is the Colts. I think they need interior help. Their running attack was dreadful, and that's one way to boosted his draft offensive line scouts say he's versatile can play tackle and center might be more of a center or interior guy but he's another guy to keep an eye on and we're talking about sheriff if we're going to keep on unveiling picks in my mock draft i'm going to throw a little curveball here i think he goes number three overall to jacksonville
0: okay i mean it's, it's totally possible especially i mean you took blake bortles last year and the tackle you took the year before hasn't really worked out his name is slipping my mind they took him at number three in in 2013 but yeah he hasn't really panned out as your franchise tackle so yeah it it might be time to move on from him and 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 take another tackle I I could definitely see that I think Leonard Williams is going to go there at three but yeah I mean like I said you can never nobody can ever criticize somebody for taking an O-lineman in the first round
1: no certainly not I think I mean O line is the most overlooked position, but it's certain uh, by fans. But it's certainly the most valuable position on the football field. You generally the teams that win are the ones that have very strong offensive lines and strong quarterbacks.
0: Yeah, definitely. I like Andrew's Pete as well from Stanford. Six foot seven. He's he's a monster from that pro style offense that Stanford runs. I think he'll be really successful as well.
1: Well, you mentioned Leonard Williams going to the Jaguars. I have him going to the Titans. And scouts say that he could be the number one player in this draft, even better than Jameis Winston as far as a prospect goes. Very strong defensive player, interior lineman, USC's most valuable player. He's 6'5", 34 and 5 eighths arm length, 302 pounds, huge hands. What do you think of this guy? You've got him going number three overall after the two quarterbacks.
0: Yeah, I think you you see the guys that go in the top ten. It's quarterbacks, wide receivers, linemen, and pass rushers. The thing I have against the pass rushers is, first off, there are so many of them. I don't think anybody really has a clear-cut favorite, and a lot of them are transitioning from outside linebacker to defensive end or, or vice versa usually it's defensive end to outside linebacker but leonard williams can play all four positions on the defensive line in a four three he's listed as a de but he could certainly move into the interior and i think that's where he's going to stay in the nfl uh he's a guy that you want he's not just like a, a nose tackle he, he can get to the the, the, the passer he can he can play in the run i think he 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 stands out as the most versatile and best defensive lineman in the draft and yeah i mean quarterbacks are rated on a different level of value than any other position it's not not often is the quarterback the best player in the draft i think andrew luck might be the 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 guy that stuck out in the last couple of drafts but usually it's a defensive player that is the best player in the draft you know at Jada, Jadavian Clowney last year who's the consensus best player so I think Leonard Williams is that he's he's he has that potential
1: no he certainly does and I think whatever team gets him is going to get a strong defensive anchor I, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes to Jacksonville I don't think that that's out of the realm of possibility I just think Tennessee is not sold on Mariota and I think that they're going to take the guy that they like and I think the guy that they like is Leonard Williams they're in a division with Andrew Luck they're going to have to get on the pass or if they're going to compete i think they have to beef up their defensive line more than jacksonville does i think jacksonville has more offensive line help that's not to say if williams is there i think jacksonville takes him but i don't think he will be i think tennessee is going to take the guy they want unless they can get a trade to move down some of these other guys though danny shelton of washington is uh, hailed it as a fringe top 10 if not top 15 pick very good against the run. You got Malcolm Brown of Texas, Eddie Goldman of Florida State, and then kind of this hybrid guy, Dante Fowler Jr. I've seen some guys list him at outside linebacker, other list him at uh, defensive end. So he's kind of a, if you run that 3-4, could could fit very well in that. And then to stick with linebackers, Vic Beasley, another outside guy who might be a little less of a hybrid, but but still a very good linebacker who will probably go in the top fifteen.
0: Yeah, pass rushing linebacker. Yeah, and continuing that trend, you also have a guy like Shane Ray, who is defensive and SEC defensive player of the year. He's probably gonna transition to again outside linebacker as a pass rusher. He's got some he's got a toe injury and at one time he was thought to be a top ten pick. That toe injury is drawn up some red flags and he could fall. And I think he is gonna be one of the steals of the draft where he's gonna just land in the right spot. You got teams like Houston and San Francisco and the Bengals and and Steelers picking in the mid to late rounds, I think they're going to pick him up and all of a sudden 2 years later you're going to be like how did nobody pick this guy later? I mean, he's he's got all the prototypical, he's 6 foot 3, 230, good speed, good size, dominated the SEC. He's definitely going to be successful. Um it's kind of weird how these these kids fall. There's also another Oh, go ahead. Were you about to say something?
1: Oh, with Ray, I mean, please just don't fall to Baltimore. I mean, if, we, if we've had enough <laughs> being in Cleveland, I mean, yeah, he, he's going to fall. I, I agree with you. I think if he falls, he's going to fall into the lap of a team that just knows how to use defensive players. You mentioned a ton of them. Heaven forbid he falls all the way to Seattle or New England because then that's just like, come on, man. The rich getting even richer. But yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. I think that if if teams are worried about him and pass on him for silly reasons, he's just gonna fall into the lap and make another GM who already has a brilliant reputation look even more brilliant.
0: Yeah, definitely. I'm, you know, Seattle fortunately doesn't have a first round pick anymore because I I imagine some of these guys falling to them and just being like, oh man, like the potential of like say Todd Gurley going to Seattle to inherit beast mode from beast mode himself so I'm, I'm glad that some of these possibilities aren't are out of the the realm of, of possibility now that they traded away that first round pick but yeah if i mean these guys are going to fall and like i said they're so the the pass rushing class is so deep and versatile it's really a fit of system and scheme and and who do you like and what kind of flavor do you like randy gregory is another guy that people thought he was better than leonard williams when they first started projecting drafts he had a positive marijuana test and now he's going to fall to the mid rounds uh again i mean he if he stays clean he he's going to be uh turning some heads in a couple of years what do you think about him
1: yeah certainly another guy who just with the off field issues uh is probably going to fall a little bit and again you know the sort of rich get richer type of situation you know maybe you look at a team like Kansas City who already has a studly defensive line i think Kansas City might go wide receiver if some of those wide receivers are there but it's it's very hard to project because it's hard to see because if someone does something crazy in the draft it changes everything. So it's really, these mock drafts are very, very hard to sort of take seriously. You can't really get too locked into them because they have no way of projecting what trades are going to happen. And I think that those just shake up the landscape so much that it's hard to see how far some guys are going to fall. But some of these mid-round guys are, are falling for, are, are being projected a little lower than I think that they should be and yeah when you get when you fall you fall into the lap of better teams cuz those uh playoff teams are picking later and you get to go into a better system and have a higher chance of success because obviously those teams picking late know what they're doing a little bit more because they've had more success in the league
0: yeah certainly is there a middle linebacker that that jumps out to you i mean i tried looking for one i think most of them are outside linebackers or hybrids, or I mean, I think Shaq Thompson from Washington is the closest thing, and he's not really a first round pick.
1: Yeah, inside line is mostly second round. I found Eric Kendricks of UCLA seems like a solid guy. His knock is that he doesn't meet ball carriers behind the line. He gets good tackles. He's solid against the run, but he's not not good at getting tacklings for loss. So. Yeah, inside linebacker is probably a little shallow this year. You'll see them go off the board in the second round. But Kendricks is a guy to keep an eye on.
0: Cool. Yeah, I like him too. Tell CJ Mosley he's not first-round material. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, But yeah, the, another trend that the Seattle Seahawks started, we mentioned them earlier earlier is these big athletic corners, tall guys over six feet. And all the corners that are projected to go into the first round have one thing in common. All but one of them, Ronald Derby, who's 5'11", is six feet or taller. You got Trey Waynes of Michigan State, Kevin Johnson of Wake Forest, Byron Jones, Marcus Peters potentially in there, and Eric Rowe of Utah, who's probably more a high second round guy, A lot of big corners. I sense a trend developing in the NFL that Seattle is kind of forcing teams to sort of look for these bigger athletic corners to match up with these wide receivers in this day and age of throw the ball as much as you can.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's working. And so, you know, if something is working, teams are going to copy you. Uh, It seems to be the trend. Uh, I mean, wide receivers are getting are turning into monsters and cornerbacks need to 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 keep up and 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 grow in size as well to me though the the cornerback class and and just the secondary class in general is is relatively weak and that's kind of surprising you usually see corners taken relatively highly due to their value in the past happy league you have trey waynes who's getting top 10 buzz and i i think that's certainly deserving but a lot of these guys are getting bumped up into the the mid and, and late rounds just due to the fact that they play at a height over six feet I mean, Landon Collins, the safety from Alabama is really the only safety worth taking in the first round. And then you have a whole bunch of guys that weren't really eye popping when you watch them play, but they just have the size that, you know, they're pushing them up into the into the first round.
1: Yeah, no, I definitely agree that the secondary class is a very shallow. Waynes and Collins, I think, are the best of each respective class, corner, and safety. I think Waynes will go top 10, probably St. Louis or somewhere of the like. I think a lot of these guys are going to get drafted. Like you said, they're just big guys, and you can't teach that kind of height. And certainly they're athletic. They've played at Division one level, and certainly they're good and probably going to have the chance to make it in the NFL if they have the talent to. But again, it gets back to what we were saying about defensive linemen. you got to land in the right scheme and the right coach. It's not just about getting drafted. You have to get drafted into the right situation that plays so much, that's such a big role in your success in any sport, but in the NFL in particular. And I think all of these guys certainly have the physical tools to make it, but they just have to wind up on the right team. I think the New England Patriots will probably draft the corner just because some of, some of these big guys will be around there and losing Darrell Revis, obviously, it's a big blow to them. They're going to have to address some secondary needs if they want to stay uh, relevant as far as winning the Super Bowl. I think they'll still be yep. one of the top contenders, but if they want to be a super, defend their title, they're probably going to have to address the secondary in this draft. Yeah, they probably, lost both their corners. Yeah, so probably with multiple picks. And yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if New England takes one of these guys.
0: Yeah. Uh, here's my sleeper. Have you heard of a guy named Quentin Rollins?
1: I don't think I have, no.
0: This is the one time in what are you talking about history that we're going to talk about a Miami Redhawk on this podcast, so I'm a little happy about it. Quentin Rollins was a four-year starter uh, for the Miami Redhawk basketball team. He finished his career, had a year of eligibility left in the NCAA, and decided to play cornerback for the football team because... My alma maters football team is so bad that a guy that hasn't played football in four years can just walk on. But he's also just that good athletically. From his basketball career, he was the team defensive player of the year three years in a row. In his one year playing college collegiate football as a fifth year senior, he was Mac defensive player of the year, first team all Mac, seven interceptions, had an interception in the senior bowl. He's six feet, crazy raw, but crazy athletic. I mean, he's starting point guard for four years. He's going to go, I mean some people think he could go in the first round. He's going to go in the second round and look for a team that identifies that talent and can can make him grow. I I I think it's a good story, a, a really cool story and I think he could definitely be successful. He's he's he definitely jumps out when you watch some tape of him.
1: Being a really good player from Ohio, he's going to wind up on Pittsburgh or Baltimore.
0: <laughs> yeah, most likely. <laughs>
1: But, but yeah, no, keep an eye out on him. And uh, I'm sure there'll be a lot of other sleepers in this draft that we haven't talked about. That's the nature of the beast. But we've kind of revealed a lot of my mock draft and some of yours. Uh, Bob, you want to start us off and uh, reveal who you think the first five picks will be?
0: Okay, so I have Tampa Bay taking Jameis Winston. Tennessee Titans taking Marcus Mariota. Jacksonville Jaguars taking Leonard Williams. I agree with you oakland raiders are going to take amari cooper they need to get Derek carr some firepower and then the washington redskins are really interesting because you don't really know where they want to go but i think they're going to take the best flavor that they like in pass rushing talent and i think that's going to be dante fowler i think he of all those guys is the one that they that people want the most and he's the most talented so yeah that's my top five
1: Yeah, I I agree with you, Winston to Tampa. I think Leonard Williams is going to Tennessee unless they trade out of that pick. I think Brandon Sheriff is going to go to Jacksonville because I think they need a lot of O-line help. I think Amari Cooper will wind up in Oakland. They want to get a uh, target to Derek Carr. And then Washington will wind up with Fowler. So we agree on three of the five. And just so everyone knows, Marcus Mariota, I don't have falling too far. I think he will go to the Jets at number six if he is there. And if the Jets pass on him... He could be in for a long day because after the Jets, there is not a team that needs a quarterback until Cleveland. So, if the Jets pass on him, it could get real interesting real quick. So, uh, I don't think they will. But hey, anything can happen on the NFL draft. It will be it will be a fun fun three days.
0: Absolutely, I love talking about it and being so convinced, and then getting all thrown back in my face. But it happens to everybody i mean screenshot some of these mock drafts and just laugh at them later cuz they they really nobody has any idea and the sad truth is a lot of these gms years later you look back and and they don't really have much much better of an idea
1: well, and it's so hard to project injuries and chemistry and a guy's in development ethic and and the knee. it's not just projecting his talent there's so much you don't know about a player until you have him in your locker room is he a good fit does he get the scheme? Can he adjust on the fly? I mean, can he adapt to the NFL game? Is he in the right mindset to improve? I mean, there's so many things that you just can't possibly measure in three or four months, even if you had a ton of film on him, that it's just, it's tough. And and there's no doubt that these franchises do a ton of work. Some of them have it down to a science. They look very smart. But even the really smart ones miss on a ton of picks. I mean... Bill Belichick and Ozzie Newsom have had their failures in the draft, and, and they're a lot more than their successes. It's just, just the nature of the beast. But at the end of the day, if you want to contend in any sport, especially the NFL, you have to, have to, have to draft well. Absolutely. All righty. So, as we said, we're going to focus on the Cleveland Browns and Clee talk or CLE talk in our. Bonus edition, monthly bonus edition podcast that'll coming at you this week. So go check that out if you want more draft talk. But we'll also talk about the Cleveland Cavaliers and some of the other Cleveland teams, of course. Follow us on our new Instagram account. It's Fenley Road Sports. That's R-O-A-D. Fenley R-O-A-D Sports. Our Twitter feed is Fenley R D Sports. So please follow us on both Twitter and Instagram. Continue to support familyroadsports.com. We had a p- couple of blog posts last week. We're going to try to roll more of those out for you guys. And this week, obviously, we have two podcasts. But next week, we'll be talking more sports, probably some more at NBA playoffs and, and whatnot. And hopefully, you guys are enjoying this. And we thank you for your continued support. And please, come back next week. Check out our bonus edition. And thanks again for, for listening.
0: All right, Chris. I'll talk to you soon.
1: All right, take it easy, bye.